Howdy, what's going on? Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. It is heard live every day, by the way, from noon until 3 on WBT Radio in Charlotte. And if you want exclusive content, invitations to events, the weekly live stream, my daily show prep with links, become a patron. Go to thepetecalendarshow.com. This podcast is also supported by North Carolina businesses, so please consider supporting them. Try not to skip through their short ad. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to get every episode for free right to your smartphone or tablet. And thanks so much for your support. Good afternoon. Man, I tell you what, it's a beautiful day. I mean, I know there's some cold weather on the way, but where I am, it's phenomenal right now. So I'm glad to be able to step outside for a second every now and then. When we went to the break, we were talking about the Iranian situation. And it's as much as the news gives you, they don't tend to give you a lot of background about well, they mentioned Iranian proxy groups. They mentioned Hezbollah. They mentioned the Houthis. They mentioned, you know, uh, the the situation in Gaza with Hezbollah. All these you know, names of groups that hate us. They hate. They hate the U.S. We represent, at least historically, everything they hate: the freedom that women, the real freedom that women have, not the freedoms that Democrat act like that are so important. The real freedoms to live, thrive, and survive, pursue what you want to do, have. Heck, a driver's license if you're a woman. To be able to go where you want to, to start a business if you want to, to do basically anything you want to. They hate that. And I, I'm not saying that's not some kind of, oh, you're a right winger saying that stuff. No, that's true. They do. But they also neglect to say the background. When John Kerry, as a member of the Biden administration, you know, forgave billion, $55 billion the Iranians get and admitted, admitted to CNBC back in 2016 that, yeah, some of this money is going to go to groups that hate the U.S. And there's nothing we can do about it. But yeah, you could have not given them the money. That's a big thing you could have done. It's not giving them the money. That would prevent them from giving it to terrorist groups, wouldn't it? That would. It's pretty easy to not give it to them. Because then if you don't give somebody something, it, it would be bizarre. What if I said, you know, there's here's a known wife beater. And uh, I don't know, I'm going to give him $10,000, some of which he might use to uh, buy things and beat on his wife more. And I say, and you you confront me with it and say, hey, don't you know that some of that stuff would be used to hurt her? And I say, yeah, well, there's nothing I can do about that. Yeah, there is. Don't give him the money. Don't embolden your enemies by giving them things. So, But that was bad enough. So then the Biden administration transferred $6 billion in Iranian assets over to the Iranians as a prisoner exchange. So... We did a prisoner exchange. We we put the cost of an American hostage at a, a billion dollars per hostage. And the world was paying attention when we did this. We did this in September. September the 12th of 2023, we gave the Iranians $6 billion in frozen Iranian money. We, we unfroze it. So we'd say, we didn't really give it to him. Yeah, you did. You unfroze it. You gave it to him. And we were worried about them using it. By the way, it looks like they do have enough uranium to make a nuclear weapon now. And make. And thank you, Joe Biden. Thank you, President Obama. Your soft shoe approach to the Iranians have made them very deadly. And by the way, you gave them $6 billion less than a month before the attacks on Israel on October 7th. And we are in the 114th day of U.S. hostages, and the Biden administration doesn't even acknowledge it. 
That's worse than Carter. At least Carter acknowledged the Iranians had our hostages and tried to do something. Didn't work. Reagan got him out. But it is astounding that this administration acts like American hostages. No big deal. You spent $6 billion to get six home. Hezbollah has how many hostages? A bunch. And it's like it doesn't even matter. So $6 billion in frozen Iranian money, and less than a month later, money from Iran helps to kill U.S. and Israeli citizens and keep them hostage. So we're, we're actually worse off for giving the Iranians money. Nothing about what the Biden administration did or what the previous administration when Biden was vice president did have made the world safer. Giving the Iranians anything did not, did not, did, did not make us safer. Opening up the border did not make us safer. Ignor- and, and, you know, ex- massively expanding government spending or expanding Medicaid doesn't make us stronger. It makes us weaker, which will go back to the beginning of the show. By the way, if you want to get in on the conversation at 704-570-1110, 704-570-1110, and we appreciate you being part of the broadcast here at News Talk 1110 and 99.3 WBT. Chad Adams, if the voice sounds strange, it's not. there's nothing wrong with your radio or your, your device that you're listening to. This is Chad Adams sitting in for Pete Callender. Pete should be back bright and early tomorrow to regale you with his intelligence and wit. But for now, you have me. But what I... When I again, we started the show talking about freedom, history, and reflection. And what does freedom mean to you? And that doesn't mean it's kind of like property rights are the rights you have on your property until you encroach on someone else's property and then you affect their freedoms. But we find that local government's encroaching on that. And yet we lose a lot of our freedoms locally. We, we lose a lot of our freedoms with bad policy at this local, state, national level. And then we have two parties. And I, I do wish we had more. I think it's a shame because some of the stuff the Republicans do sometimes just ugh. you wish if the Republicans would be conservative, that would be really useful. But the fact that so many times, more often than not, Republicans don't embrace. You know, we had a caller earlier talking about Tom Tillis that they don't embrace the conservative ideology. They like the Republican label, but they don't like the conservative label. And God help you if you say you want to make America great again, because then you're the devil, according to them, or the people on the left, the media. I don't know, many Republicans, unfortunately. So, but when you when you were to take our freedoms, and would you say we are more free today than we were 50 years ago? I would say we're not. We're not more free. We're not, you know, when you look at your kids, you feel like your kids are more educated? Because education is freedom. Having more freedom, having more education, do your kids read, write? Do they do arithmetic better? Do they, do they have more capabilities? Is a college education worth more today than it was? 40 years ago. It's worth less. So all when you combine all of these things, we are less free. And so if we move in that trajectory and we go down another years, what does the country look like? We now have a, a group on the left that doesn't even care about the border. I don't, I don't understand how Democrats prevail. And if you have a country that embraces Democrats, then you really don't have a country. And, and I don't mean that sounds very partisan, doesn't it? Oh, my God. Chad said... But what I'm saying is, if you have uh, uh, millions of Americans that don't care about the southern border as 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 a, as a, as a, actually being a border, if you have millions of Americans that don't see the Iranians as a threat, if you have millions of Americans that think it's okay to let five-year-olds decide to be a boy or girl, if you have millions of Americans that think that women competing in in 
I mean, men competing in women's sports, cracking their skulls, hurting them, and and that's okay. You are the problem. And I'm not mean. That's not a blanket indictment. It's not being mean or disrespectful. It's an observational truth that you have abandoned the things that made this country great, the American exceptionalism, the value system that's in place, saying that things matter, that men and women are different, doesn't mean one's better than the other. It means we're thankful for it. You don't just wake up one day and decide you want to be something else. There's something else at work there. And these people a lot of times need more. They need help. They don't need encouragement. A lot of people that need help need help, not encouragement. All right. Do the current world events have you wondering whether we are teetering on the edge of catastrophe? Are you concerned it's going to reach our shores? Okay. So what are you doing about your concerns? Let me help. Carolina Readiness Supply at carolinareadiness.com. Whether you're looking to expand your emergency preparedness supplies or you have no idea where to even begin, Carolina Readiness Supply can help you. Food, water purifiers, tools, first aid kits, instructional materials, camping and hiking supplies even. Because being prepared is just smart. Carolina Readiness Supply has 2,000 square feet of supplies and educational materials that you'll need for any kind of emergency. In Waynesville and always at carolinareadiness.com, veteran-owned Carolina readiness supply will you be ready when the lights go out good afternoon folks that is great bumper music right there van halen from long long ago back when democrats actually you know could debate things not just rely on the media to carry him across the finish line. Gary, you know, I think you could run. You know, it's kind of a weekend at Bernie's episode, isn't it? You're gonna, we're going to carry him across the finish line. We're going to carry him. We're going to put his hand like a puppet, you know, waving at the crowd. <laughs> put a sound bite in his mouth. Let him speak it. So uh, here, I just want to leave you with this. So we had three servicemen killed uh, serving our country, by the way. They were serving our country. I sound a little bit like Trump. They were serving our country. Uh, but here's what the Biden administration said about that. I'm going to play this. I just want you to pay attention. This is Karine Jean-Pierre, who would not have that job, by the way. There's, this is a profound individual that lacks a depth of understanding of issues, that typically reads from things. And when she goes off script, she's almost as bad as the president. And here's what she said about the military folks, the servicemen that were serving. Here's what she had to say about that. What I will say, our deepest, uh, obviously our deepest condolences uh, go out and our heartfelt condolences go out to the families uh, who lost uh, three, three brave uh, three brave, uh, three brave of uh, three folks who are, who are military folks who are brave, who are always fighting, who are fighting on behalf and of uh, this administration of the American people. On behalf of this administration, and notice how she stuttered and stammered. That no, mind you, this isn't just someone off the street responding. This isn't just someone off the street responding to the deaths of three Americans. The deaths of three servicemen who died in the service of their country, who put their life on the line, who were really placed in harm's way in that theater of operations where we've had 78 plus 100 and some attacks on on different bases at different times. This by I I love the phrase, I'm saying that facetiously, suicide drone, because no, there is no person who died in the suicide drone except our people. 
There wasn't a, a, a crazed bomber that set off something and blew themselves up. It's basically a, a human-guided missile is what it was from afar. The person didn't commit suicide. He and, and what's even worse is our troops were confused by the arrival of this drone. They thought it was one of our drones coming back. That's pretty sophisticated to be able to confuse our folks and have a drone that didn't get responded to, that just came right in and blew up and killed three servicemen. But but I, I want to go back to the way she said it. I, now, you're responding. You've, you, you're being interviewed by MSNBC. It's a friendly news organization to your way of saying things. You have the opportunity to address the American people about what happened, and you say this. What I will say, our deepest, uh, obviously our deepest condolences uh, go out and our heartfelt condolences go out to the families uh, who lost uh, three, three brave, uh, three brave, uh, three brave, uh, three folks who are, who are military folks, who are brave, who are always fighting, who are fighting on behalf and of uh, this administration of the. Three, uh, three, uh, three, uh, three, uh, three, what you're being interviewed, you're being interviewed on this topic. You are the president's spokesperson and you can barely get through the horrific attack on a u.s military base three servicemen dead whose families are adversely affected and you have to stutter and stammer through that and i'm not being mean i'm not and and this isn't righteous indignation this is more shock i'm blown away that she had that she can barely get through that uh these uh these uh brave these brave these brave these uh, these people these families that that are always fighting uh, on behalf of this administration, behalf of the administration, just appalling. Now, the president, in many ways, does own this problem. And this is an administration that is soft on the Iranians. The Iranians see that as weakness. Uh, he has given billions in, in relief to the Iranians. They haven't been held accountable. We have had virtually nonstop attacks for months and months, pretty much throughout this administration. And it's amazing. These assaults didn't start October the 17th. U.S. Central Command Chief testified to Congress that Iran had directed 78 attacks on American forces in Iraq and Syria from January 21st through March of 23. We also had two other contractors dead and many more Americans injured. Tehran, Iran, the Iranians haven't paid a price for this. They haven't paid a price for this at all. So if you're the Iranians, you do you respect strength. And the U.S. has been tepid at best. They see the way we've responded. They see the way our country is almost tearing itself apart with the Palestinian protests. They're going, well, why don't we just keep on poking the bear? This, this, this president's weak. He's not going to do anything to us. He's given us billions. We've used that billions to help fund all of our terror interest groups, the anti-American, anti-Israel groups that we've been funding. The Americans have done nothing. They've sat on their hands. They've they've said things. They can barely respond when we kill their people. You would think that at some point this would matter. Biden has awarded, excuse me, rewarded the Ayatollah to the tune of one hundred billion dollars, including massive revenue from the non-enforcement of U.S. oil sanctions over three years, a six billion dollar ransom payment, and a ten billion dollar sanctions waiver renewed in November after the attacks. When Iran Iran attacks U.S. forces, Biden typically turns the other cheek and opens another financial spigot. When he responds militarily, he limits U.S. strikes to Arab militia infrastructure instead of taking Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps commanders off the battlefield. So he doesn't do anything to the Iranians. He does it 
He attacks things on the proxy. We know where the money's going. We know who's doing this, and we do nothing. We, we, we're weak on the international front. And think about what this says, too. Because the Russians are like, eh, they're not going to do anything. The Chinese are like the Americans are feckless. So if they did take it, and even Blinken did reassure the Chinese, hey, we're not going to see the situation with Taiwan. That's really, we're not supporting Taiwan independence. We're not doing that. It's just kind of bizarre. Well, no, it has to. It has to there's there, you would you, you want to believe it's inadvertent, but I think there's method to the madness. I think this is the way they really believe. And and the Democrats, when the Democrats don't protest that, when the Democrats just don't disagree with it, even Roy Cooper, you know, why would you care about what they, happens in other states? Well, your party. Do you disagree with your party on these things? Cooper has higher aspirations. Josh Stein certainly wants to be you know governor, but you would think he would say something. He's the highest ranking Jewish official ever elected in the state's history. You would think it would matter to him. Welcome back. Glad to have you with us here. News Talk 1110 and 99.3 WBT sitting in for Pete Callender, who is not feeling mucho bueno este hora. He's not feeling well today. and and But I'm glad to be here. Chad Adams, your guest host. 704-570-1110, the phone number. 704-570-1110. Right now, over to Ed, who's been on hold for a while. Ed, welcome to the show. How the heck are you today? Uh, I'm great. Uh, just wanted to know if you had heard anything about uh, the UN and their providing uh, hundreds of millions of dollars of uh, debit cards to South American migrants on their to support their journey to the uh, American border. Uh, I can't remember the exact source of my information, but. It was either one or two of the best in the world, the Internet or Charlotte Observer. <laughs> but, uh, in any case, uh, yeah. you know, it just it just galled me that uh, that that's happening. And uh, in essence, you know, here we are. The uh, keep in mind that the United States is the largest uh, uh, provider of funds to the United Nations, and uh, in essence, we're turning around. And uh, indirectly, uh, you know, footing the bill for these people to come into the country. I, I just don't get it. It, uh, it just shows you how upside down this whole world is. Well, I tell you what, Ed, I, I'll give you kudos for this. And I was, I, I'd seen, you know, the, they told me what you wanted to talk about. And I said, okay, the wording, this is interesting. It's the wording of what gets reported that makes all the difference in the world. And you did something what I, that I consider very astute. Which is, you know, I thought you were going to talk about the debit cards because there were several people that put out there, hey, we're giving them debit cards for the U.S. right when they come across the border. And the fact checkers just go crazy and say, you're full of it. No, it's not true. Here's why it's not true. But you said something that was absolutely 100% true. And that is, is the U.N. giving people, when they come across the border, debit cards? And that is is absolutely true. In 2021, early on in the American's historic border crisis, uh, one of the author from USA, the New York Post wrote that the UN was handing out debit cards and cash vouchers to illegal border crossers. Now, that's absolutely true. That did happen. The UN just released the 2024 Interagency Coordination Platform for Refugees, a planning and budget document for handing out $1.6 billion in 17 Latin American countries to help them here. It was meant, 
It was supposed to be just for Venezuelans that are looking for asylum. But if you read through the document, there's a footnote. This is very specific. So, Ed, again, kudos. I don't know where you got the information, but you're correct. On page 14, paragraph 43, says that that all that money can go to, quote, all nationalities and multiple other nationalities other than just Venezuelans. So in a nutshell, per Ed's phone call today, the UN and its advocacy partners are planning to spread $372 million in cash and voucher assistance and multi-purpose cash assistance to 624,000 immigrants who are in transit to the U.S. during 2024. That's this year. So, Ed, you're spot on, man. And it, it is appalling. And, and like you said, who's the chief funder of the UN? It's us. So it, it just amazes me, you know, when you see this kind of stuff. And it, it, it is, you know, you have to believe it's intentional. Well, no, excuse me. You don't have to believe, You know it's intentional. It, it is bizarre. And it, so you would take it a step further. Why would they intentionally do this? Why do they go through such extremes to be deceptive enough so that they can deny they're doing it while doing it in a different way than is actually worded? I'll say, no, it's not the right. The U.S. isn't directly doing any of this stuff. It's indirectly doing it through the U.N. And then you have to go, well, why don't they just shut this down instead of doing it? And you have to go, well, is it for votes? And I'm not a conspiracist, but I do believe there are substantive number of people that do see this as a one world way of looking at things. They would love to have a one world governance, a very you know, Logan's run, George Orwell way of looking at the planet where it's this Pangea type thing where it's all one government. And if, if they could throw a little population control in there and figure out a way to get rid of, you know, I don't know, two, three, four billion people just to bring the population down and, and under the auspices of climate change or sterilize. And that doesn't that sound conspiratorial? I think it's the basis for yet another great book in that Atlas Shrugged, George Orwell, Logan's Run uh, continuation. I think there's, there's, a, there's ample opportunity to write a new seminal work more than, than uh, Overton Window, which, by the way, uh, Glenn Beck did a few years ago. And I'm not extolling all the virtues of Glenn Beck, but the book is a well-written book, by the way. Not Agenda 21, but The Overton Window. Great book, but it's, it, 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 it like ran out of steam. But it's a good book. But I do think that it's very easy. If you look at Davos, you look at what these global leaders are wanting to achieve, a lot of it comes out. It does come out in this George Soros way of uh, Bill Gates. It looks very conspiratorial because they will say things in passing. And, and, and the, the phrase today, the social media phrase is, they're saying the quiet part out loud. Well, there's a lot of speculative stuff that people say. But they do like to say things about let's having, you know, especially the climate change crowd, that cult of doom, uh, they would love to have billions fewer people on the planet. They would love to limit us to villages and towns and limit our mode of transportation and limit our ability to have freedom and limit the economic freedom of many by redistributing all of the money so that everyone kind of had the same amount and was really controlled. They would love for government to control more of this and people and free markets to control less of it. That's not conspiracy. That's true. I mean, a socialist agenda is not about preserving free markets or protecting them. It's not pro-capitalist in any way. A socialist or communist agenda. And it's not that, oh, we'll do it right this time. You know, the, the losing 20 whatever. I think that, that the, the modern socialist believes they can just tweak everything that's screwed up about socialism and make it work. And it always ends up the same way. 
lots of people dead. It always ends up that way. It never, it universally ends up that way. And yet they adhere to it as if they're doing it different this time. You know, Che Guevara was a thug. He wasn't a hero. There was nothing heroic about Che Guevara. There was, enough, there was nothing heroic about Fidel. They were just militaristic fascist thugs. They were. And history remembers them that way. And you can wear all the headbands you want to. By the way, anybody notice? Well, not, I, I, I don't want to make this a big topic, but if you didn't notice it, the, so the, the, the resemblance between the Minnesota state flag, now they changed it because it was offending some woke group of snowflakes uh, up in Minnesota, and they changed it, and it looks a lot like the Somalia flag now. And then Alara Oman goes out and says basically that her job in Congress is to preserve and protect Somalia and expand its borders. Again, completely at a side, just something that caught my eye again, the attention span sometimes. But I was amazed that that was the case. You know, this this wokeism. And again, when we look back, I think we will look back and, and there will be kind of a madness, the George Floyd madness, where we look back and go, they – they, wait, this drug-addled thug that stuck a gun in a pregnant woman's gut, who was a lifelong criminal, became the, the semblance for a movement that directly led to billions in damages and homes being burned down and, and tons of deaths. And simultaneously, when there was uh, a protest at, the, at D.C., which we are just now learning more details of, that one person, Ashley Babbitt, did get shot, who was unarmed, um, that that was a bigger news story. In many ways, than America burning, or that a that a private zone was set up in Seattle, which you basically usurped the power of the federal and state governments and created the the, the a special zone in Seattle and, and bombed federal buildings, and it was okay, it was acceptable. Uh, I but I digress. Much more to go. Come back. We'll be right back after. Welcome back. Kicking things through this second hour. Heading toward the third soon. Chad Adams, your guest host, sitting in for Pete Callender. A little bit under the weather, but uh, still Pete. And he'll be back soon, I'm sure. And in the meantime, you're stuck with me. And I appreciate it. 704-570-1110. The phone number 704-570-1110. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. George, making me sound wonderful. See, my voice is actually four octaves higher. You know, bats can hear it. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. This is what I actually sound like. But I do appreciate what George is doing, and and, uh, you guys are welcome to call in. He'll let me know. You'll move to the front of the line. Uh, It is this, you know, I've I've been talking a little bit, touching back on, you know, history and freedom and then reflection. And and I'm still convinced that the more we look, when we look back, I can look back at some of the things in the past few years from the, Rodney King, O.J. Simpson, if it doesn't fit, you must acquit. And you look at that and go, what were they thinking, you know, that and, and with this president, that every Democrat that I talk to knows that Biden is a problem. And and, and people can lament, you know, and they say, oh, 70 percent of people don't want to see a Biden and Trump matchup. Well, if you look at that 70 percent, you look at the breakout of that. You know, there's a lot of Democrats that don't want to see Trump on the ballot, and there's a lot of Republicans that don't want to see Biden on the ballot. So you add it all together, you get 70% of people don't want to see that particular matchup. Now, when you ask them what they want to see, they have, they have there's a, they're all over the map. Maybe the Michelle Obama steps in. She becomes the nominee, and it all goes away. Nikki Haley will win. No. 
it, it, it it's looking increasingly like the two front runners will be the nominees and RFK will be out there. And then a, a no labels candidate, probably a mansion, you know, who admitted today sees a path forward. I you're going to see that, but I do think I do strongly believe that you will see a lot of people who have been never whoever's meaning never Trumper stuff like that, that will start to coalesce. Even Snoop Dogg, who has said some not-so-friendly things about Trump, is now like, eh, he's never, he's been good for me. Trump's been good for me. And I'm paraphrasing, but Snoop said that. So now you got this, and then you got Taylor Swift out there saying, oh, she's a Biden fan. And then there's a poll that says, oh, if Taylor tells them to go vote for him, then 20% of the people will automatically just vote for Biden. And I, I still think that's, as people, as we get closer to the election, here's what people do. They always, they inevitably do it. They look at their pocketbook. They look at their kitchen table issues. They look at the country. They actually do look at the issues. And, and, and if you go through the last election cycle, say, well, Chad, it was a fraud. How did Biden win? Well, we'll talk a little bit about that because the, the, the Dominion voting machines and all stuff. I'm not going to get into what the left calls the big lie. But what I will say is this. We, we had come through a once-in-a-lifetime event, which was the pandemic, which was highly politicized, which was a lot of erroneous information out there. A lot, there was a basement campaign with a soon-to-be octogenarian candidate running in the shadow. It was an anti-Trump election, and it was, it was where people were very unsure. They were unsure. And then there was a lot of, we now know that the Russia collusion stuff, we knew, a lot of us knew it was a hoax, but more people know it's a hoax. They knew that all of that, they know now the Steele dossier was a hoax. They know now that they don't trust the media. So to think that the media has rebuilt itself in some significant way is just not happening. The media hasn't reformed itself. The media is still... A, a mess. And if you look at that, I, I'm trying to figure out the way to, to actually go through it. But I think many people are, who were never Trumpers are going to start coalescing and saying, you know, I'm going to I just got to go that way. Uh, we'll see. And people are like, well, what about all these lawsuits? I think every time I think the E. Jean Carroll's there are a lot of questions, a lot of information that wasn't allowed to be in a trial. I'm not going to weigh in on the trial itself, but I'm saying every time another one of these because she didn't go after him in the night. She didn't go after him when he was you know, ran for president the first time or the second time. But you now look at this and you go, every time you see an overzealous political Fannie Willis, uh, you know, you see these kind of attacks on Trump, Jack Smith, Alvin Bragg, you know, um, <laughs> the girl in New York, Letitia James. Whenever you see these, it looks more and more political every day. It looks like a weaponized form. And, and a lot of people ideate with that. They see the government is overbearing. They fear the government. This, this country wasn't designed to be fearful of our government. So the government is fearful of us. And so when they see the power of the federal government used against one person, this is what the Democrats don't understand. They think, hey, we're showing you what a bad guy Trump is. Look, we're showing you. Look, we've indicted him. He's done all this stuff. But, what the, but a lot of the American public goes, wait a minute. You're using every weapon available to the federal government to go after this one guy. Meanwhile, the border is a mess. The economy is in shambles. Your administration can barely get the words American servicemen out of their mouths. And you expect us to just say, trust you? You misled us completely 
on on COVID, the, the whole masking thing, and then the vaccines didn't work out the way you told us to. We don't trust you in the government. We don't trust the government anymore. We, we're always highly suspect of it. We really don't trust it now. So every time the Democrats, it's what they don't understand. The more they throw at him, they're making a martyr out of him. They're making him almost unbeatable by their actions. It's, it's, it's almost unfathomable the degree to which, and you've heard me say the degree, I can't stand to use that phrase over and over, but, but they're making him so heroic that, that he, I, I think it's his to lose in many ways. And the more that I mean, and now that the situation in, in Georgia and the Fannie Willis stuff is falling apart with her with her affair and all the money used, the taxpayer money used, and the, the the lack of experience with people involved in it, Jack Smith stuff is struggling more and more. And and the longer this gets delayed, and the likelihood that Trump could become president, then it becomes a mood issue, doesn't it? He could actually pardon himself. So it's it's and we say we're you know oh the, the, the Trump's dividing this country well it kind of takes two to tango you guys on the left do you think the transgender issue united our country do you think that leaving an open border united our country do you think that treating Iran with kid gloves has united our country do you think embracing the social emotional learning and the diversity equity and inclusion stuff it, it brought our country together. The left has embraced issue after issue after issue, and it's highly divisive. Even even the way in which they don't want to have it, they don't want to have it. Uh, the abortion. Let's talk about abortion for a second, because that's the one that the, the Republicans and and the media go. Oh, it's radioactive for Republicans. I don't think it is. I think that the the obvious answer for many Christians is abortion. It's horrible, but if you look at where a lot of the laws end up, the heartbeat bill seems to be the most logical bill that's been arrived at yet, and Democrats would reject even that. And then, like Roy Cooper. Roy Cooper and aspiring Governor Josh Stein here in the state of North Carolina don't would not embrace a heartbeat bill. And what they say is, therefore, reproductive freedom. That's the code phrase. That's, the, that's what they've poll-tested. Poll-tested, Democrat-approved, to get you all hyped up that someone's going to stop you from reproducing. It's just not true. But... It's it's interesting to me that WRAL News and Observer, Charlotte Observer, and all these stations, and they won't go to Governor Cooper and say, "Okay, Governor Cooper, I get it. You're pro whatever you want to say you are, pro choice, anti. I mean, pro abortion, whatever. Why don't you get the governor to answer, or Josh Stein, who's the aspiring governor? At what point do you think it shouldn't be allowed? Up to the point of contractions, should abortion be allowed? They won't answer that question. They love to say they're pro-reproductive freedom, but they don't want to tell you at what point it's too far, at what point it's infanticide, at what point you're killing something. You're killing a human being. They won't answer that question. They'll defer, demure, they'll change the subject, they'll give you all these lofty little poll-tested phrases. We're just to support women. Well, what what does that mean? We support abortion on demand. Uh, To what point? Why would the media just ask them? Just ask them. Just go to them and get them to answer that question so you at least have them on record. If a Republican has to be on record for being for no abortion or 12 weeks or whatever, the Democrats should have to be on, on, on record just as much. Why would you treat them differently? But you do. And again, Josh Stein sits back. Josh Stein's trying to make you think he's from North Carolina. He's not. Likes he can relate to you. He can't. He barely can discuss the October 7th thing, and he's Jewish. It's kind of bizarre. 
Much more to go as we get into Hour 3 here on the Pete Callender Show on WBT Radio. We're going to kick things over to the top of the hour, getting ready to begin Hour 3. Do stay tuned. We'll be right back after this.